Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the I Thought It Was Just Me podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sayla, and today I actually have a, a really special guest that we haven't even known each other that long. Her name is Cameron. Say hi, Cameron. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Have you ever been on a podcast before? I have not. You have not. Yeah. It was so funny because Cameron and I actually met at my previous job, but I was leaving just as you were coming on. I think we overlapped for like two weeks, hey? Yeah. Like you had put in your two weeks, I'm pretty sure. No, I put two months, buddy. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I just knew that you were only there for two right, weeks while fair. I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we connected instantly and we've gotten really close since then. And honestly, like, I appreciate you so much. You've gone through a lot and like, I just appreciate you so much as a friend. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, cool. So let's jump right into this. So one of the questions that I ask in the beginning of each podcast is what is the best piece of advice that you have ever applied in your life? Um, you know, what's funny is that I actually, in anticipation of being on this episode, yeah. I went and listened to, like, oh. I think one of your more recent episodes. So I heard that and I was like thinking about it. Um, when you asked uh, your other guests that question, I was like, oh, she's going to ask me this question. Um, and I want to say like the, the thing that comes off the top of my head is something that I've kind of held with me, uh, throughout my whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's something that my dad taught me or that he kind of guided me towards, I guess, but he kind of always taught me that, uh, when it comes to the people that you keep close to you and the like kinds of friends that you have, like quality, you want quality versus quantity. Right. So he always told me, uh, if you're able to count your close, like your five closest friends, like on one hand or your closest friends on one hand, which would be five. (laughs) Um, (laughs) unless you have more fingers than that, then, (laughs) (laughs) um, then like you're golden, like that's what you want. He's like, those are going to be quality friends who stick with you. And like, yes, you're going to have people come in, uh, come in and out of your lives and, yeah. you know, serve certain purposes and stuff like that. But, you know, you want to keep, you know, a tight knit circle of people that you right. can trust, that you can rely on. And that's something that's like, I, that's always really resonated with me ever since I was pretty young. Like I've um, always had like a really small group of friends. I always um, like to connect with, like pretty deeply with people. And I find I have a hard time like having those surface level connections and friendships with people. For sure. You are totally not a surface level person. So that's, I would say that's probably one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever had and like kind of applied throughout my whole life. I love that. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. There was the, uh, that's like the Harvard study or something. It was like, you are the product of like your top five influences in your life. Mm -hmm. So who would you say is like your top five people that you surround yourself with now? And like, what is something that you've benefited from them? Not that a friendship is supposed to be. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. It's not made to be obviously beneficial, but you are who you hang around with. So how do you think that your friends have influenced you? Yeah. And like kind of like going off that, like, obviously you don't look for what people can give you out of friendships and stuff like that. But obviously when you're considering who you keep around you, like you want to think about, again, not how they're benefiting you, but how they're, how you guys add value to each other's mm. lives. Like, you know, you don't want to be around people who are going to bring you down or, um, you know, be toxic in your life and, you know, have that kind of influence. So, uh, I'd say, so the top person who will always be one of those people, one of those five people for me is my sister. Love that. I have a older, uh, sister. She's about 
I want to say 14 years older than me. I always forget the exact number, to be honest. But uh, she's my half-sister. I typically don't usually actually clarify that just because I don't see her as my half-sister. But uh, if you put us side-by-side, we don't look alike at all. I'm half Chinese and she's full white. So there's that. But um, she's been my rock throughout my whole life. Uh, She's my absolute hero. I look up to her. She's Mm. someone who's kept me going and... Uh, probably one of the only people in my life who actually know me at a certain level compared to anyone around me, uh, mm-hmm. just because of the things that we've gone through together and the kind of figure uh, she was for me. Um, I'd say uh, outside of her, uh, I have a pretty good core core group of friends. Um, I actually, funny enough, I have a hard time counting them on one hand right now, but, um, you know, I would say like my roommate, he's become like a really, really good friend of mine. Mm. And, you know, we're able to have like really deep, meaningful conversations. And Mm. he's helped me through a lot of stupid drama and important stuff as well. Uh, And I'd say like my best friend, Lydia, she's been someone around uh, for the past uh, five or six years now. And Mm -hmm. again, uh, we connect on a certain level because we identify with a lot of the same things. Mm. Uh, She's also half Asian. We've um, you know, had a lot of conversations surrounding like race and our yeah. experiences yeah. Yeah. growing up um, mm. with our families and uh, just, you know, in this area and stuff mm. like that. So uh, and then I've got uh, kind of like my family friends that I've reconnected with recently. So they're a family of like four kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, hard to count them on one hand, but mm. I kind of group them together. And I'd say all of these people, the way that they you know, add value to my life is that they definitely keep me grounded. Wow. And they're all people who aren't afraid to tell me when I'm fucking up and, Come on. you know, when I need to, you know, get my head straight and uh, all that kind of stuff. So I find that I find a lot of value in those kinds of friendships mm-hmm. where we're past the point of um, being scared to tell each other how we feel. Like, you know, if I'm being a certain way, if I'm not being a good person or I'm making mistakes and they're not afraid to tell me and help Mm -hmm. me, you know, get back on track and whatever it may be. Yeah, that is such a good point that you hit on, on like that honesty piece, because I think in our generation right now, and you could definitely attest to this, is like, we're just so afraid to like offend people and therefore we settle for surface surface level friendships and you never grow because you surround yourself with people who just tell you what you want to hear and for those of you guys who are listening like we're not bashing on you at all if you have friendships like that because I definitely am super guilty of having friendships like that in my life but we're saying well Cameron's saying I feel like like your just best advice that you can give anyone is like surround yourself with people who are going to be honest with you who are going to tell you like you said like when you're fucking up when you're doing things that are like yo (laughs) stop doing that you know what I mean because that's ultimately what's going to help you grow because you can't see your own blind spots right totally. yeah and I think I think it's really easy to become complacent oh, in life. So easy. and I don't want to say that you know like kind of like you said you know not you know hating on anyone who is in a position where they're having these kinds of friendships or whatever I've definitely been there I've you know um I think we all go through you know that phase in life at one point or another multiple times in life like it's so true. you know life has its ups and downs and it's a roller coaster and it's not yeah. uh consistent or, or um you know it doesn't stay the same all the time no. so you know when it comes to having those kinds of friendships like I I've only had those kinds of like really really meaningful friendships for the past few years mm-hmm. like 
when I was, you know, 17, 18, you know, just turning 19, like I was going through a really dark place in my mm-hmm. life. I was, you know, dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. It was quite crippling, actually. And I was, mm-hmm. you know, partying a lot. I was not showing up for like the people who did care about me in a in a proper way. Like I was, you know, pretty unreliable. And mm-hmm. it, it took a long time to kind of get out of that. And part of it started when I met, you know, my my roommate my best friend um you know those are people that I met kind of all around the same time about five or six years ago and uh you know being around people who were stable and who wanted better for me helped kind of pull me out of that but at the same time you know I also started to realize that I didn't like the person that I was becoming and I was just kind of getting sick of myself and the kind Mm -hmm. of shit that I was doing and realizing the kind of cycle that I was in and it's just like you know small steps but um, that's what I mean when like, it's really easy to become complacent in that and to yeah. also like, you know, feel like you're the victim a lot of the time, like you're not in control of the things that are going on in your life and that everyone's out to get you or that things aren't going right because of X factor or X factor when, you know, there are things that you can control. control. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to say for those of you guys who are listening, if you related to this at all, like feel free to DM us or DM Cameron to like know more about this. And I know you're super open to like having this type of conversation around like friendships or maybe how to navigate those conversations with friends of like if they are too surface level. But I kind of wanted to shift gears a little bit and um, kind of talk about you and like... Guys, when, when I first met Cameron, like one of the things that I actually noticed about you was just how real and authentic you were. And I think that comes from a place of, you know, I'm just going to put it how it is, like you come from a place of trauma, you come from a place where you've had to come go, get through a lot. And so you've come to this point in your life where you're like, you know, what, I'm just going to be real because at the end of the day, what else is there? And um, there's a story behind that, obviously. And and for those who are you guys who are listening, um, Cameron... I just have so much respect for her um, on so many levels. And um, I would just love for you to share your story about your mom um, and kind of how that affected you, um, whether if it's growing up or even now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, One thing I would like to preface is when I talk about this story, uh, yes, it is very much to do with um, an event that happened with my mom when I was quite young. But I also, um, I don't want to tell this story and make it sound like I blame her in any kind of way or, um, you know, just nothing like that. Uh, you know, everyone experiences <laughs> their different childhood traumas. I don't think anyone really gets out uh, unscathed. Mm. Uh, and you know, as much as it has affected me, you know, there's other things in my life as well um, Mm -hmm. that had nothing to do with her that also affected me. And, you know, I just just, pile it on top of each other. (laughs) Yeah, I've been through a lot. I've been through a lot. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so kind of my my big story is when I was, so when I was four, uh, my my grandparents, my parents uh, got divorced. Mm -hmm. I I was quite young. I don't really ever remember them being together. Um, and my mom is actually from the States. She's American, grew up in Houston, Texas. Uh, that's where my parents met. And your dad is? Uh, my dad's, my dad's from here. So he's from, he was born and raised in Burnaby. Um, my dad is Chinese Canadian. So I'm half Chinese and half American, I guess. White. <laughs> half white. <laughs> um, and when, so my parents split up when I was four, 
we did the, you know, typical back and forth, like four days at your mom's, three days at your dad's, whatever. I don't even really remember, to be honest. Uh, but my mom stayed here when they got divorced, even though she's not from here. She was a stay-at-home mom, so she didn't have a job here or anything like that. Parents split up. Uh, she got, you know, X amount of money. They went their separate ways. Mm-hmm. And when I was six years old, um, she got mixed up in a little bit of bad business. I don't want to air too much of that yep. specific out but uh you know one thing led to another and she ended up having to flee the country Mm. and basically when when two parents are divorced and they have you know they have kids uh to take your children out of the country you need to have consent of the other parent it's you know standard legal situation uh and essentially my mom fled the country and uh took me and didn't tell my dad (laughs) so i i tend to use this word very lightly um you know the the proper term is that she kidnapped um kidnapped us but uh, i use it quite lightly because you and your brother yeah um but I, i yeah i tend to not like to use that word just because the connotation of like what you imagine when somebody gets kidnapped is quite dark, Mm. um, which is not the scenario for us. um, But that's just typically... Because you were six years old. Yeah, I was six years old. But, you know, it's not like we were, like, kicked and tied in the back of a van. Yeah. And so (laughs) you went to Texas. And what do you remember from that period? Yeah. So my mom fled the country. She went back home to Houston. We were staying with our grandparents down there. So I was, like, like, you know, I was six years old. I was quite young. So I didn't really understand what was going on at the time. Right. Um, all I knew is that, you know, we were going to go visit grandma and grandpa in the States and, uh, you know, we've something, it's not like we hadn't done that before. So we go down there and everything seems pretty normal, you know, whatever. And then she enrolls us in school down there. Wow. But again, I was so young. I didn't really, you know, I didn't really pick up on it. Maybe other kids would have, maybe I was just... <laughs> You were a little bit I was, slow. I was a little bit of a slow kid, maybe. <laughs> um, but we were enrolled in school down there. I remember I hated it. I remember I had a really, really bad experience really? down there. So they actually held me back a grade. No way. Um, because school in, in Texas starts in August and my birthday is in September. So, and I like I was supposed to be in grade one and they put me back in kindergarten just because of the way the timing oh, worked out. Yeah. Like weird. it was, it was really odd. And it's kindergarten versus grade one. Like how big of a difference is yeah. it? Um, but anyways, I remember I hated it. Like I had no friends down there. Um, like, you know, I wasn't really close with my brother at the time. Like we went to the same school and I just like remember. How far are you guys apart? He's three years older than me. Right. But I remember distinctively like going to the cafeteria, being like traumatized that they had to like pay for their lunches there. Because like my like elementary schools here aren't like that with like cafeterias right. or whatever. Um, and I remember going up to like the lunch lady or whatever and getting this sandwich that was just like this really, really sad, disgusting sandwich <laughs> that I was like, I don't want to eat this. And like just sitting by myself. And obviously, like we were probably in school down there for a couple months, but this is like the only vivid memory I have of like being there really. Wow. Um, yeah, and maybe like walking home a couple times with like my brother and some of his friends, but Anyways, we were down there for a couple months, hadn't seen our dad in in that time. And did he know at this point that you guys were down there? Um, it took him a while to like locate us. I'm not exactly sure the timeline on his end of him like straight up not knowing where we were to actually knowing. I feel like knowing the situation, he probably had an idea. Mm. But again, my mom also could have gone anywhere. And uh 
I believe it was like it was my sister who actually ended up like telling him like the actual like what was actually happening or like mm-hmm. where we actually were mm-hmm. so you know basically my dad you know got all his, all his ducks in a row you know contacted the authorities came down um and took my mom to court and went full custody of us and uh, you know he showed up at our school one day and took us home basically wow. and then uh you know, since he had one full custody of us, that meant we weren't going to be around our mom really anymore. And, you know, because of the way that things happened, you know, there's a lot of legal issues around the surrounding, like us just being around our mom. Mm. Uh, but she came back to Canada for a little bit. And again, my memory around this is, or like the timeline is some, somewhat fuzzy, but mm. uh, we had to have like supervised visits like once a week with her uh with like a social worker because my mom was considered a flight risk so we would get driven on like sundays at like 9 or 9 30 and go and hang out with her mom at like some house in van like some like dusty old house in vancouver and like play board games while like some lady sat there with her clipboard um but we didn't do that for very long because my mom actually didn't stay in canada for a very long time uh, she went back down to the States, um, probably in under a year again, can't really remember, but, uh, so those supervised visits turned into phone calls. So and my mom, sorry, how old were you at this point? Like, seven? uh, I would have been, yeah, six or seven, probably six when we were doing the supervised visits and then about probably seven when, uh, they went from visits to being phone calls and, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so it was phone calls every Sunday at nine 30 mm-hmm. uh, in the morning. So my dad made sure that we were always home and up and there to wait for mom's phone call uh but over time she slowly stopped calling became a lot more sporadic uh and then one day she just stopped calling Mm. so I probably didn't speak to my mom from the age of I want to say eight years old yeah seven or eight years old I don't think she did it for very like yeah I don't think she called for very long but about eight years old until I was uh in 12th grade of high, yeah grade 12 of high school uh was the right. first time that we really like ever like yeah. talked again and what was that period like for you when she just didn't call you uh it was it wasn't fun i mean it was these things for me are just kind of normal i guess because they are part of my life like um and like as a kid i don't like you don't really realize what you're going through in the moment so to me I was like this is just this is my life like this is how it is uh but it was definitely hard and I when I reflect back on a lot of those years especially like being like a like middle schooler like Mm. you know age of 10 to like 12 13 uh when you're going through a lot of changes already uh those times are really really tough I think growing up without, you know, a solid motherly figure during those moments was really tough. And uh, I had, I have a stepmom, but we're not very close. And uh, my dad's pretty much of a like guy's guy, tough outer shell, has a daughter, Mm. doesn't know how to have Mm. a daughter. (laughs) But um, So that period talk isn't probably really happening. No, like... (laughs) sex and puberty and all that kind of stuff was not talked about right um but that's that's where my sister came in she very much helped me through those times to the best that she could you know she was in her early 20s so she had her own life going on and stuff like that but I would say that you know during those years that I you know wasn't you know didn't have contact with my mom and 
um, you know, was going through a lot of stuff. Like I started acting out and, you know, life at home didn't always feel super comfortable. Mm. And I very much felt like I was going through life by myself. Wow. What made you feel like that? Uh, well, my family doesn't have like a very open dialogue kind of policy within the house. Like, you know, we don't talk to each other about what's going on. Um, we don't share things and it's, you know, it's a two way street when you're a kid, you know, usually you have your parents or the people around you to like kind of encourage that dialogue or to, um, you know, push you to be more open or whatever. If you have that kind of family, I definitely did it. So I I internalized a lot of stuff and really kept to myself Mm. during those years that I was growing up. And, you know, I got bullied in in middle school and, you know, I kept it to myself. I didn't tell anyone that that happened. And, uh, you know, any time that I, you know, was crying or sad, I just locked myself in my room and nobody knew what was going on Mm. because... I didn't feel comfortable, you know, being open about it. Mm. Uh, that's not the kind of environment that I grew up in. Yeah. Wow. That that's yeah, that's tough. And and sorry, you said that you from, you know, when you were eight all the way to like grade 12, you said. So what was that? Did you reach out to her? Did she reach out to you? Um, I never reached out to her. Uh, mostly because I didn't really know how to. Mm. Um And then she, I want to say, like, messaged me on Facebook a couple times throughout high school. It would just be, like, super random. Like, I'd be, like, sitting in, like, like home home economics (laughs) class or whatever. And then, like, I'd get a message from my mom on Facebook. And it'd be, like, this long message about, you know, how she misses me and all that kind of stuff. And, like, when I was, like, 14 or 15, when that would happen, like, randomly, like, it would, like, seriously affect me. I would, like break down I would cry I wouldn't like and I wouldn't respond because I I was under the impression that I like wasn't really supposed to Mm. because like of legal reasons or something like that Mm. but that's just what um, you believed yeah yeah and I didn't you know what would I what was I supposed to say right uh so you know those, those times were really tough and it was also really challenging because you know nobody that I was friends with in high school fully understood what that was like you know I actually none of my friends in high school even had divorced parents like wow. everyone you know has their things and family drama and dynamics stuff like that but like to the extent that I had it 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 was quite challenging feeling again pretty isolated like you felt alone in yeah what you were going through and yeah. I would talk to my friends you know a lot of people that I'm close with know this story about me and I'm pretty okay with talking about it especially at this point in my life but because uh, you're 23 now. Four, 24, 24 now yeah right but yeah back in high school it was it was definitely very isolating mm. so yeah that's yeah that's tough and and now I guess you like you said like you're kind of open to talk about talking about it and that kind of stuff so what do you think was the turning point whether if it was accepting this or if it was just moving on from it or um, what was that turning point like for you with you and your mom uh, so that first time that we spoke again right. was, I want to say it was just after grade 12, some, somewhere around that time. It was like <laughs> before I was going to university and she had reached out to my sister, I guess, and they had reconciled some things that they had dealt with. Um, and my sister calls me and she's like, Hey, like, you know, I just spoke to mom. She might reach out to you just to like, she wanted to give me a heads up. Uh, and so my mom calls me and 
you know, it's a very, very emotional conversation. Mm, This was, you know, my opportunity to ask her all the questions that I wanted to ask her, you know, why did you leave? Why did you stop calling? Like, essentially, like, how could you? Mm. The conversation did not go how (laughs) I wanted it to go. Um, You know, and obviously, for her, it's a super emotional topic as well. And, you know, she battled with her own, um, you know, her own mental health issues and, and all that kind of stuff. And, while I am very empathetic towards that and her and I have a better relationship now I do remember like at the time I was just very much like I get it I get that that you know you growing up without your kids was hard but like it's not about you is mm. how I felt I was like this is about like me and wow. my brother. and you said that to her yeah wow but she didn't really want to talk about it it was you know very emotional and I left the conversation or like the phone call like not wanting anything to do with her to be honest because of how choked I was that I didn't get the answers that I wanted that she wanted um so I feel like that kind of sent me a little bit on a spiral where you know after all those years I just it didn't like manifest in the way that I wanted it to or it didn't end in the way that I had always imagined like you know from going from from being like a seven-year-old girl crying that you know, she doesn't know where her mom is to like Mm. finally having that conversation and not having the answers and not having the same reconciliation. I mean, your sister as well. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really traumatic and it was Mm. really tough. And, uh, you know, I'd say it probably took like another year and a bit after that conversation for me to like start, you know, getting better and like actually like not taking care of myself, but letting go of all of those things. And it wasn't an easy path. Like that's kind of when like I started really battling with depression and anxiety. Like I used to have like crazy panic attacks and mm. I wasn't taking care of myself. Like I was like 17 or 18. I was partying and drinking. I was in first year of university. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was surrounding myself with people who, you know, it was easy to just distract myself because I had all these surface level friendships that, you know, they didn't know what was going on with me. They didn't need to and I didn't feel like they needed to know that about me and also you had gone your whole life kind of closing that part you have that part of yourself off anyways so what would be the point in opening up now yeah definitely but you know then I started so so then having like anxiety and depression and dealing with these like really really dark things started manifesting itself in like really awful Mm. ways when I was being social or, you know, I would stop showing up for work or, you know, I would go out drinking and just get absolutely like blackout and, you know, be that girl who was like outside crying because something stupid happened inside the bar. Like just like silly stuff like that, that just kept happening. And I kept not being able to like understand what was going on with me. Um, Yeah. And then it just kind of, you know, slowly it, it, it kind of hit a rock bottom, I want to say. Wow. And it was like, once I felt like that, I was like, I need to do something about this. So I started going to therapy. When I, did you start? I started going to therapy back towards the end of, no, middle of 2016. Oh, wow. Okay. Something like that. Um, I haven't gone consistently since then necessarily, but that's when I first, you know, attempted to go. Uh, and it definitely helped, but also just like, the first thing I started doing was like removing the people from my life who brought nothing but toxicity wow. and not, not to say that they're bad people or to say anything like that. I think it was like a combination of like who I was at the time and who they were at the time that it just didn't make sense. Like the guys that I dated or certain friends that I had, um, you know, it just, 
it we didn't benefit each other in any kind of way we didn't add value to each other's lives at all and it just made for like a really volatile like you know friendship or relationship or whatever it may be it wasn't adding value to either of you no exactly like I wasn't like I wasn't being my best self and like it brought out parts of me that I didn't like uh that I wanted to work on so I kind of started realizing um you know the people that Um, actually like really cared about me and you know wanted me to do better and Mm -hmm. I kind of leaned into that and you know said goodbye to like a big portion of my life back in 2016 like Mm -hmm. I had a whole different group of friends Uh, you know I still hang out with some people from high school and stuff like that and kind of like I made this like big flip when I I quit my job started a new job said goodbye to a lot of people and met like a group of people that I'm still friends with. Wow. Like fresh start. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I I really appreciate you like sharing that story with us. And I just kind of want to maybe turn it back to Mm -hmm. the listeners here. And I want you to maybe shed some light because unfortunately, like having divorced parents is not uncommon anymore. I think the divorce rates now like 79% or something like that. Last time I saw in North America, I wanted to ask um, you, Cameron, like what kind of advice or what kind of encouragement can you share to maybe a kid or to somebody who's maybe our age maybe who has divorced parents or maybe is going through um a season where their parents are getting divorced what kind of encouragement do you have for them um you know as cliche as it sounds (laughs) and i yeah i i hate it i hate any time that i have to preface that something's a cliche (laughs) um but it's not about you wow and I don't mean that in a um insensitive kind of way like I I totally understand that it is really really tough to go through um such a you know big change like that in your life like regardless of your if you're really really young when it happens or you're a fully grown adult you know everything that you understood to be true or to be you know create your life the way that it is is now not that way anymore Mm. and it feels like things around you are falling apart and you feel like you it you know you're you're the main character in your life right so you're (laughs) gonna think that you know there was something that you could have done um you know that has something to do with you but the like something that I've come to learn is that you you have to let go of the things that you can't control and I think it also really helps to like if you are older to realize that like your parents as much as like you, you know, look at them like they're your mom and dad and they are these like types of figures, they are also like human beings. Yeah. And, you know, I think that if two people who were married for however long or had kids and had a loving relationship and whatever, and they choose to part ways, I would almost look at that, like try to like try to look at like the silver lining of it. Wow. So it's like, you know, maybe someone was really unhappy in the relationship. And I've actually, I have quite a few friends who, whose parents are still together and they stayed together because of their children. And that in itself has brought different kinds of traumas because, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just toxic at that point Mm -hmm. and they refuse to separate. So they continue this toxic cycle. So I've seen how, what it looks like on the other side of things. So I think when two people come to that decision, like you don't make that decision lightly. No. So I would say it's, you know, again, cliche, but it's for the best. Mm. Um, And, you know, if you're a younger kid going through something like that, um, you know, I would look at the other things in your life that 
kind of ground you and like provide stability while something like this is a big change that's going on like lean into the things that you know keep you grounded and feel consistent so that it doesn't feel like everything's you know falling apart um yeah that Uh, that would essentially be yeah no you know what the cliches (laughs) always work that's why the cliches but that that is really good. I think somebody's definitely going to be touched by that. And I think for you guys that are listening, you guys just need to go back like five minutes and just re-listen to what Cameron just said there in terms of encouragement about how, you know, there is a bigger picture here on what's going on. And I kind of want to shift gears a little bit again. Um, but I appreciate you so much for sharing this. Mm-hmm. You know, you said something about um, keeping yourself grounded. Um, and one of those things was your friends, for sure, that pulled you out of it. Um starting a new job, probably just um, also gunning to finish your degree. But also I feel like maybe another thing within that was working out. And I know you did martial arts for a really long time. You guys, Cameron can fight. Like (laughs) she can beat me up. Um, Can you talk a little bit about your journey as we kind of end off here on like how working out and how the gym or how that whole life maybe was an outlet for you of dealing with stuff yeah absolutely and it's kind of funny that you bring up the martial arts thing because honestly it was so long ago that sometimes I kind of forget about that part of my life like I almost I like compart- compartmentalized it yeah compartmentalize it yeah you got whatever. it whatever um somebody could dm us and say that that wasn't the right word or whatever <laughs> I know it's the right word I just yeah, don't know yeah. if I said, said it, right. it right no it's fine <laughs> anyways I totally get um but yeah so that you know that was actually something that I had my whole life. I started martial arts when I was four years old. Crazy. So kind of in the same timeline. And it's the only sport that I've, you know, done and stayed consistent with. Like I did track and field on and off throughout school. Um, but it was always Taekwondo. Right. Uh, you know, I got my black belt when I was nine years old. Come on. <laughs> and Beating I... Beating up kids since you were nine years old. <laughs> yeah, more or less. <laughs> and it was my first job too. I became a martial arts instructor when I was 13 and I did it until I was 16. Wow. Um, I actually hated it, to be honest. Really? Um, I don't think any 13-year-old should be teaching, like, young children or, like, children their age martial <laughs> arts. I mean, it was a really great learning experience for me. Don't get me wrong. I think, you know, it built a lot of character and maturity for me as well, but it... I want to say it's the first reason why I was very turned off from having my own kids because I was like, not, not loving this, but anyways, um, yeah, definitely Taekwondo was a big outlet for me growing up, you know, being able to go and like let out frustration and anger in the way that martial arts allows you to. Um, and not to say that I was like an angry child or anything like that. Like, you know, I was pretty reserved and quite shy to be honest growing up but you know kind of being in that and being being able to be in my element and like Mm. you know focus you know I learned a lot of discipline um a lot of strengths and again yeah maturity um but I injured myself really really badly when I was 16 where can you find this video (laughs) it is on my fitness instagram which will be all oh wait did you even plug this in the beginning so sorry it'll be all in the notes things anyways continue um Yeah, so I actually had this dream of um, pursuing Taekwondo as, like, part of my career. I wanted to be a stunt person. It's the business that everyone that I did martial arts was in. My dad is a stunt person. Um, 
so I had a lot of connections to the film industries and that's what my dream was. Uh, tore just about everything in my left knee and one fell swoop. Nice big fall. Uh, and that dream was kind of shattered. And university was my fallback, honestly. I didn't like, I was always a smart kid, but I actually didn't want to go to school because wow. I wanted to pursue martial arts mm-hmm. and stunts. And uh, that kind of happened. So I just leaned into going to school. And um, But having that injury is what got me into the gym, into weightlifting, because I honestly was really insecure in high school. And I didn't like the idea of, you know, sitting around and eating and just like gaining weight. So uh, mm-hmm. I started going to the gym with my uh, high school boyfriend and he kind of taught me all like the basics of weightlifting and stuff like that. And I've essentially been going ever since and wow. have learned a lot, actually learned a lot from a few guys that I dated towards like, like when I was 16, <laughs> 17. And then uh, when I started working at Fuel Supplements, um, back in 2016 that's when I got really really into fitness wow but yeah definitely the gym and like working out has always been an outlet for me it's always been something that again kept me grounded but Mm -hmm. I also if I was experiencing frustrations experience anxiety um I would just you know I would lean into the gym and focus on that and Mm -hmm. it's been something that's kind of helped guide me through everything again it's something that's been stable and it's around my life yeah and it's been such a passion of yours and you were good at it and you developed such a love for it and I really really love the way how you were talking about you know how even though taekwondo like it was the dream kind of like broke off for you in a very literal way um it led you to another thing and I just want to encourage you those of you who are listening like if you had something in your life where it was taken away from you it could be a new opportunity or it could be an opportunity for a new adventure or another door to open up, right? And I feel like your story, Cameron, is such an example to that, not only with like your story with your mom and you having to jump through all these hoops to get to where you are now and you're still on this journey of recovery and not necessarily recovery, but dealing with that. And then your story as well with how fitness has transformed your life, not only physically, but emotionally, spiritually, everything encompassing. And just to see where you are now and to see the woman of you that you are just so confident so bold and just so straight to the point like I love that about you and we are coming up on time here so I did kind of want to wrap it up but I do just want to say to you guys who are listening like you guys I love Cameron so much like I just I just if you guys know her you just know how real she is and you just know that what she says is what she does and I just admire people like like that because again it creates that authenticity and it creates that actual genuine relationship you know I because I know that when you say something to me you're not just saying it with empty words you're saying it with backup like you're actually walking you're preaching what you're walking that's what I'm trying to say (laughs) um but anyways I I wanted to ask you a couple of fun questions as we finish off Mm -hmm. so Christmas is coming up and I know you got some something going on. So what is your favorite thing that you're going to do this Christmas? I know the answer, but they don't. I think I know the answer. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm thinking of the same answer that you're thinking of, honestly. <laughs> they were thinking of doing um, things. My Christmas are usually pretty 
typical. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm really looking forward to is uh, seeing my sister and see, see exactly that's, that's what, what I was going to say. Seeing my sister and seeing her kids. Perfect. So um, yeah, I always spend Christmas Eve at her place. Uh, she lives on the Sunshine Coast, um, quiet little town in mm. Gibson's, and uh, yeah, she's got three beautiful nieces. So I'm just excited to go. Spend and yeah, spend Christmas Eve there and then wake up with her kids on Christmas Day. So cute. You know, it's a 24-year-old. Like, what the hell else am I going to do on Christmas <laughs> Day if I'm just at home by myself? So true. So, um, uh, yeah. I love that. And last question is, what piece of advice could you give to our audience? You gave so much wisdom already, but is there anything that you would like to share with us? Um. Okay. There is There is something okay. that I can think of off the top of my head. Um. Also semi cliche, classic. <laughs> a lot of the a lot of the words that I live by are quite. Uh, cliche, you know what? They're good, to be though. honest. <laughs> but yeah. I'm I'm a big, 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 big believer in that everything happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. And if you've taken anything from you know the things that I've talked about, you know, even the example of like ta- from taekwondo to injury to going to the gym, like you know, it may seem like things really, really suck in the moment. And like, I'm, you know, I still deal with this when I'm going through stuff on a day-to-day basis now, or like things feel like it's falling apart. Um, you know, it's hard to like, remember to have that perspective of like, you know, there's going to be a reason that this happened and it might not be apparent right now, but a year, like a month from now, a year from now, you'll look back and realize that this one thing had to happen for better or bigger things or just for growth. You know, this past year, I'm sure, has been really challenging for a lot of people. And I keep describing it as the best worst year of my life because there's been a lot of challenges. So much change has happened in such a short period of time. Um, But I've also experienced amazing things this year and met amazing people. And I wouldn't change anything that happened this year, like for anything else, because I know that it's forcing me to grow. I love so that. look at things like they're forcing you to grow or helping you grow, helping you get to the next best thing. I And I echo that so hard, guys. For sure. I absolutely love that. And yeah, so I'm going to tag all of your like Instagram. You got a fitness page now, which come on. You're going to be posting some fire content on there. So if you guys are trying to get into working out or you do know how, but you're just not 100% comfortable, y'all, Cameron is so relatable. Go follow her. It'll be in my notes. But Cameron, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I am... 100% sure you added so much value to these guys. And um, yeah, for those of you guys who are listening, you can DM me um, at Sayla Briggs or you can DM our podcast at I thought it was just me podcast underscore. And you can also DM Cameron if you have, if her story stood out to you at all or there's anything that connected. I, I bet you she would love to just chat or just connect or whatever. She is open. I am open here always for you guys. So um, as always, I love you all. Thank you all so much for supporting me and for listening to me. And I will see you next week on Monday for a brand new episode. Thank you guys. Love you. Thanks guys.